Um, are we good? You good? You're alive this morning? Just so good, so good. A um, couple of things before I crack open the word. Um, happy Father's Day to those of you who are fathers, uh, whether that's biologically, spiritually, in the faith. Um, there are many figures around this building who are father figures to me and have been in different ways, those who are here today and those who aren't here, uh, some who have passed on, uh, as we've talked about as well. Um, but yeah, happy Father's Day. There's chocolates you might have seen on the way in. Uh, they are for the fathers. Uh, I've already had a couple of children say, can I have one of those? And I said, are you a dad? No? Well, then no. Uh, but you can take some for your dad uh, if you'd like to do that. Uh, and I'm trusting you. <laughs> and Jesus is watching. <laughs> no, please, help yourself. There's, there's plenty there. And uh, we just wanted to do a little bit of something to acknowledge uh, uh, what you do uh, for us, for your children, uh, and for God, which is a little bit about what I want to talk about this morning, the things that we do for God. Um, also, World Vision, very, very excited to have Charlotte here. Um, after the service, you're going to get an opportunity, those of you who have been chosen, uh, to go and grab your envelope. If you have selected to be chosen, you have been chosen, right? It's not one of those, like, oh, hey, good luck, but sorry, next time. Uh, if you put your name down last week or you've already been registered with our project that we were part of in Korakunda, uh, then this morning there is an envelope with your name on it. Uh, two for some of you I even saw, so praise God. Uh, and in there you will find a letter from someone in Liguru whose life has been changed because of you. Kat, last week when she was here, she shared uh, from her time in Liguru in Tanzania, she said, it's amazing because she's speaking to the mum, she said, once I know that one of my children has been sponsored, I don't have to worry about that child anymore. Not that I don't have to care about that child anymore, but that I can care without worry. And that's the gift you've given to families this morning. So I want to encourage you, make sure you make time to do that. Uh, see Charlotte after the service. If you haven't, it would be a great time to just gather around and, and just be part of that as a family um, because we're committed to uh, being part of this project with World Vision in Liguru, not just those who are sponsoring, but as a church. And you, I know not everyone necessarily is in the position to be able to give, but we can all pray and we can all be aware. And so these children, although they might be sponsored by individuals in our church or families in our church, I would love us, in a sense, to be aware of them as a church and to carry that. So, so make sure you check that out after the service. It's going to be awesome. Charlotte's flying down from Wellington especially, so we're very excited to have her here um, to help us with that as well. Um, Right, let's, let's open the Word of God. We're going to um, look at a scripture in just a moment. Um, if you've got your Bibles, turn to First Peter, uh, which is right towards the end. Don't, if you hit Revelation, you've gone too far. Come back a little bit. Uh, First Peter. While we're going there, uh, Sue, Rodney, and I had the privilege of attending the Christian Savings Build the Church conference this week down in Christchurch. Um, it's every year. Uh, I didn't get to go last year, but we made sure that we sent some people. But it was good to be able to be back there. This year, And the conference is built all around this idea of good governance, uh, and some of us cringe when we hear that word, but good governance, uh, good oversight, and good stewardship of our assets and what God has given us. And we heard some fantastic stories 
from different churches. Oxford Terrace Baptist Church and the things they're doing down there with their build project and their social housing. Uh, we heard some great things about what Habitat for Humanity are doing over in Nelson. They've gone from building like when Nick Clark, who's actually an old family friend who I got to reconnect with this week, who's now involved in Habitat for Humanity. When they started, they were building about one house a year. They're now building about 30 houses a year uh, over in Nelson. And a lot of them are in partnerships and on properties of local churches. And so it's been really exciting to watch that. Uh, You will get to meet Nick because there's something burning in my spirit. Uh, and burning in Sue's spirit, and I believe in Rodney's as well, uh, for for that. And there's been some things that were reawakened uh, in that time away. Um, You know, 2019, we had some plans drawn up, building plans that we were excited to head into, and then COVID, right? And everything sort of changed, the landscape changed. Um, And so there's been a lot of things that have been sitting dormant but not dead, uh, in my spirit and I think in the heart of the church. And this week was really that, that catalyst for me to go, it's time to pick these things up and put them back in front of us uh, and start heading towards them again. So I'm really excited about that. Um, there's some things to unpack. There's some things that we're going to continue to unpack with you. And, and I want to encourage you um, to reinvigorate yourself with that vision uh, and the promises that God's put in your life. Because I know each one here, you'll be carrying something. And I believe that God is saying it's time to pick it up. Uh, So we're going to start pitching that. One of the ways that you could help me with that, um, I don't know if you've noticed, but if you look around a little bit this morning, we're a little bit bare on the ground. Uh, And that's not necessarily because we've lost a whole lot of people, but we're getting a little bit sporadic. Um, And I don't begrudge anyone that. I know you've got families, especially if you've got children, some of those weekend sports and you want to spend time with family. I remember listening to uh, Lyle, who was the pastor at Motueka Baptist for many years, and he used to get um, grumpy on Sundays because he was like, you know, I'm running a church in Motueka and Kaiteri's right there and all my church are at Kaiteri and they're not, you know, I wish more people were at church on Sunday. And then his wife died and he said, I wish I'd spent more Sundays at Kaiteri. So I don't want to be that guy that says, hey, you should be at church more often. If you're not, you know, I'm not going down that track. What I would love though, from a pastoral point of view, as I want to continue pastoring us and moving us towards the vision, whether you come one and four, one and three, one and two, or, or you know, one out of four Sundays in a, in a month, I would love it if you could have a think and a talk in your family and consider whether the first Sunday of each month could become a priority for you. So in all the Sundays, that you, whether you can come or not, but if we went, let's try especially to be here on the first Sunday of the month. The reason of that for me and for the eldership and the leadership of the church is we've got some things with the vision that we want to unpack and we don't want to say them seven times. And so if we can commit to all being in one place, it's less like herding cats and um, so, you know, I understand. I don't want to be that person that leverages against you and says you should be here every Sunday. Be blessed with your family and what God has done. You love Kaikoura. We love, you know, in fact, we've been asked to plant a church in Kaikoura, so you never know. You may be just what God is looking for. Um, but, you know, could we commit together perhaps to prioritizing the first Sunday of the month as a time where we come together for the purpose of hearing from God for the future of our church? That would be something that would be really special to me, and I think it would be really special to you as well. So I just want to sow that, because this morning I want to talk, we're going to continue our series on the Spirit, uh, but I'm also going to pick up something that God said to me quite clearly, I think, this week while we were down in Christchurch, because the word that kept coming through again and again and again was this word stewardship. Now, stewardship's not a word that we use a whole lot anymore. You know, kingdoms used to have stewards, and you go, I, you might not even know what a steward is. You go, I have an uncle steward, um, if you say it funny. Uh, but so we're going to talk about this word stewardship, and this morning my sermon is titled Stewardship and the Holy Spirit. Stewardship 
and the Holy Spirit. And the foundation text I want to use is in 1 Peter chapter 4, and it's verse 10 to 11. I'm going to read it to you this morning. 1 Peter chapter 4, 10 to 11. If you're taking notes this morning, there's an insert in your bulletin. There's a little space to write these scriptures down as we go. We'll fill them out. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 to 11. God has given each of you, each of you, every single one of you, a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Then do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do, everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. If you go back to that first um, verse 10 for me, Ollie, that'd be great. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Another translation says it this way. Steward them well. Be good stewards of the gifts that God has given you. See, stewardship is to care for something that belongs to someone else or that has been given by someone else. I wonder um, if any of you have seen Lord of the Rings. And you might be familiar in The Return of the King, the steward of Gondor, uh, Denethor, kind of sad-looking man, not the sort of steward we want to aspire to be. Uh, And he's got this kind of long hair, downcast look. And his job is to be a steward of the throne. Can you put that picture up, Ollie? Have you got that? Here you go. He's a steward of the throne of Gondor. He's waiting for the king to take his rightful place on the throne because the king, the family line of the king has been lost. Or Otherwise, you know the story. If you don't know the story, go watch Lord of the Rings. I'm not going to spoil it for you. Uh, and so what you'll notice about this, I think, is really interesting. The steward does not sit on the throne. The steward of Gondor has a seat because the throne is reserved for the king because the kingdom belongs to to the king. I know that's incredibly profound for nearly 10, 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Uh, and so I love this picture because it kind of, to me, highlights what stewardship is. Not, what, not his example, but the position, right? We are sent by God to be stewards. In fact, you were created. Take a look at this. Can we go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 28? Let's start there this morning. And God bless them. This is the creation of Adam and Eve. He creates all the world. He creates the garden. He creates the environment. And then it says, and he, and he created man in his own image. Man and woman, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. In other words, God created us to steward everything he had created prior to that moment on the earth. And a bit like Denethor in that previous picture we saw, we know, we believe, we hold as our Christian faith that the king is coming back. And so we don't sit on the throne, or at least we shouldn't sit on the throne. And part of what I was talking about this morning in our gospel call is, is it time, you know, in that firm foundation, often we do try to sit on our own throne, right? And go, I want the glory, I want... But we need, we were created to steward what God has given us we were created to steward his create excuse me creation to have dominion to give it back to him 
Here's your first note this morning. When we steward God's gifts for God's glory, we share in God's rewards. When we steward God's gifts for God's glory, we share in God's rewards. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit as we go. Um, Because we are created, as I say, to be good stewards. Let me throw a couple of other verses at you this morning. In fact, a little bit of background to these ones. Paul writes a letter to the Corinthians. Uh, if, if you don't know much about the historical background of Corinth, it was a pretty pagan place. Uh, like some of the things that Paul had to write in his letters to the Corinthians is, hey, don't sleep with your mother. Uh, I don't think I've ever had to have that chat in church, so I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, but these were, these were some of the things that were common practice, and there were all sorts of other uh, habits that were going on, often as acts of worship to other pagan gods. And so this community uh, received the gospel, And so Paul basically writes them with the theme of you've received Jesus, you've received the Holy Spirit, right? We've been talking about that over the last couple of weeks in our series, The Spirit. You've received the Holy Spirit. Now I want to teach you how to steward the Spirit well, how to steward the life, how to relook at what it means not to be the God of your own world, but to now be a steward of the King of Kings, So all of Corinthians is kind of written with this idea, and you see it come up again and again and again. Let me just show you a couple of them. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. And so Paul talks about him, right? He says, this is how one should regard us, that's the apostles, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required that stewards be found faithful. I love what Paul's saying. He's not saying, like, I'm not just talking about this to you. He goes, we're all as stewards, we're to be called to be found faithful. Later on in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says this in verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? And then it goes on to say this, you are not your own. You, are, you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. So he goes right actually down to our very molecular being, we are called to be stewards. I've been faced with this in the last couple of weeks with appointments with my doctor about stewarding my own health. I know, and all of you know it, and now you're all holding me accountable, and it's very, very painful, but it's good. Water. (laughs) So this whole thing that kind of comes through is about being good stewards. And then let's take a look uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 17. For I do this, this is Paul talking about himself again. For if I do this, and he's talking about writing letters, being an apostle, preaching. If I do it of my own will, I have a reward. In other words, if I'm doing it for myself, then I get a gain. But if it's not of my own will, I am still entrusted with a stewardship. So he goes, he talks about, like, I'm not doing this for me. He goes, I'm doing this because God's put it in me and I have a responsibility to steward it well. We are called to be stewards. Let me throw a couple of other verses at you and then I want to unpack this a little bit more. Uh, First Chronicles. When was the last time you read the book of Chronicles? First Chronicles chapter 29 verse 14 says this, But who am I and what is my people that we should be able thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own... We have given you. So the author, the, the, the speaker here in Chronicles is going, 
Like when we give to God, all we're really doing is giving back to God what already belongs to Him. You know, I, I love this picture. We see, we see this um, with some of the prophets. We see this with Jesus, right? That Mary conceives and gives birth to Jesus, and then they go to the temple to offer their child to God. What has been given to me, I give to you. We are called to be stewards of everything we have because ultimately it's his. Deuteronomy talks about, um, Deuteronomy says, you remember the Lord your God for it's him that gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Now, often when we think of stewardship, we tend to think, oh gosh, this is the financial thing. And there is an element of that. But actually we're called to be stewards of lots of things. I'm going to skip the first, the second line, go down to the third one. Here's, here's your third note. Everything we have is ultimately God's. Everything. Your children, your, your life, your money. Everything we have is ultimately God's and will be returned to Him. And we will give an account for how we steward what He gives us. Everybody get that? Let me unpack that. You've probably read in Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, whatever you did for, uh, well, he talks about whatever you did for the least of these, you did to me. Then he goes on and he tells the story of a master who gave 10 talents, five talents, one talent to different people. And when he comes back, there's an expectation that what they've given to him, they have stewarded well. I'm not going to go there this morning uh, in all of its detail because I want to look at some of the others. Um, I want you to think for a moment on your list again, we have a couple of things that we are stewards of. And you've got some little letters there. I'm just going to go through and fill them in because I want you to think. You might go, well, I'm not really a steward. I don't have much. But actually, all of us have been given. Much like Adam and Eve. Much like the apostles. And, and again, we've talked over the last couple of weeks about you've received the Holy Spirit. Here's a couple of things that we're stewards of. We read in James, we're stewards of our spiritual gifts. We're stewards of our families. And I'm not just talking about the fathers here this morning, but it is Father's Day, so you know we can talk about that. But actually, all of us are stewards of our families. You're a steward of your spouse. You know, I love Ephesians chapter 5, where it talks about the verse that we don't love about, you know, wives submitting to their husbands and husbands lay down your life for your wives, which is really just about both considering yourself to be second. But one of the things that it says when he's talking particularly to man is it says, your job is to lay down your life for your wife and present her to Jesus in all of her beauty. So, so if you're married here this morning, part of your commission from God is to be a steward of your spouse so that when he comes back, they're in better condition than he left them to you. And some of you might be going, that's not hard. Especially the woman in here. You know, Emma goes, that ain't hard. I'm working on it hard. It is incredibly difficult. <laughs> but we're called to steward our families. Our spouse is number three. We're called to steward our relationships. You know, one of the pillars of discipleship that we talk about in church is providential relationships. We believe that we all need providential relationships. That's people that God has put in our lives to grow us. But you are also a providential relationship to someone else. God has put you in the life of certain people for their benefit, for their growth. People in your workplace, people in your community, people in your hobby sphere. And you've been put there in that place to steward them well. That's why, again, Matthew 25 says, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. You know, when we, when we partner with World Vision and we, and we look at Luguru, there's, a, there's an aspect of that that is good stewardship. 
So spouse relationships. Number five, we read about it in Genesis, is creation. We're called to be good stewards of creation. We're called to be good stewards of myself. And then finally, linking in with the series that we're talking about, we are called to be good stewards of the Holy Spirit. We're called to be good stewards of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit resides in you, is given to you. Jesus talks about this. The Holy Spirit will come. And if you go back up the page now to that other note, the Holy Spirit empowers and inhabits good stewardship. The Holy Spirit empowers and inhabits good stewardship. Not inhibits, inhabits. <laughs> See, everything we receive is a gift from God. Everything you have, your very life. Uh, there's another verse that I could have quoted to you this morning that says, every good thing is from God, the Father of lights. He gives us everything. Your very next breath is a gift from God. And how we steward it uh, is important. We looked at this whole thing about the Lord of the Rings and this picture on the screen before, and one of the things that becomes unfortunate in Denethor's case is that he tries to steward the kingdom in such a way that he wants to hold on to it. He wants to hold on to it. He wants to have, and you know, there's this point, there's this showdown where he says, you know, there is no king of Gondor. And, it, you know, it's because it's, it, he's gone, it's me. It's, I'm going to do that. But good stewardship, requires that constant posture of this does not belong to me. It has been lent to me. It has been given to me. Everything we have is a gift from God. And the Holy Spirit uh, empowers and inhabits good stewardship. So, so let me have a look at that. Um, I'll break that down into two bits. Let's start with the empowers side of things. And there's some space if you want to take more notes on the back here. What do I mean by the Holy Spirit empowers Good stewardship. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at this idea of abiding in Jesus. In John chapter 15, God says, Jesus says to his disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. He commissions his disciples to go into all of the world and preach the gospel in Matthew 28. But he tells them at the end of John, do not leave to do that job until you have received the Holy Spirit. Why? Because it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to be good stewards. I want you to think of the last time you made a mistake. I want you to think of the last time that you stewarded something badly. Uh, I don't need you to call it out. It's okay. You can just... We've been set free from our fear, our guilt, and our shame this morning. Thank you, Jesus. But I want you to think about it. And I can guarantee you that at that time, you were probably trying to do something your own way. See, because here's the thing. No matter how well-intentioned we are, we are of limited capacity. We are fallen people. We struggle with things like greed. We struggle with things like resentment or anger or bitterness. And so all these different things. Um, there's a great parable that I read this week uh, called the parable of the serving son. It's not from scripture. It's, it's another illustration. And this parable of the serving son uh, talks about um, a man who goes through life trying to be good, trying to do well, trying to uh, do all the right things, but constantly falling short. And then recognizes that as the father gives the Holy Spirit, and as he relates with the Holy Spirit, gets to know God, like we were talking about two weeks ago, and builds his relationship, turns out that the Holy Spirit is the one that knows how to be a good steward. 
And so when we partner with the Holy Spirit, we hear from the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. This is why Paul says, be led by the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Because when we're led by the Spirit in all those different areas that we're stewards of, we will steward them well. And I would go as far to say that we cannot steward them well without the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit empowers good stewardship. But not only that, the Holy Spirit inhabits good stewardship. What I mean by that is when we actually step out and do the thing, God gets so excited that he breathes on it. See, sometimes we can be so, so passionate about the God who empowers good stewardship. And so we spend lots of time getting to know the Holy Spirit going, without you, I can't do it. Without you, I need you, Lord, I need you. And then we just sort of pray and just go, now you do it. And we don't go. But the Holy Spirit inhabits good stewardship. So he both empowers it, but it's not until we step the, our foot out of the boat that he then inhabits it. Let me give you a really practical example. My friend James here, my father-in-law, is a renovator. He's a builder. He's handy on the tools. He doesn't sort of use them too much, but I managed to convince him a few years ago to get involved with my kitchen project. And uh, so we renovated the kitchen and, and all this sort of thing. And I conveniently dislocated my knee about a month before. Um, so, you know, but I did my bit, didn't I? I came around and smashed a few things and put some whatever. Because James's reply to me was, I will help you if you're there. If you think I'm going to come around and build your kitchen and you're going to go out for the day, I, I'm not interested. But if you want to partner with me, then I'll be there. And I'm incredibly grateful that he was there because if you'd seen the kitchen that I would have built, it would have been all sorts of lopsided and, and all these sorts of things. So the Holy Spirit has this kind of, like he empowers, he gives us the advice. See, I could have gone to James and said, hey, can you just empower me? Can you give me your tools? Can you give me your tools? Can you empower me for good stewardship? But he also inhabits good stewardship where he says, if you'll go and you'll do it and you'll pay the price and you will show up, I'll be there too. And so the Holy Spirit is this jewel. He both inspires us and gives us the tools and the clarity, but it's when we step out of the boat that he turns up and he says, I'm here as well. Which makes me think again about all these different things that you're stewarding at the moment. You know, we've looked at them, your gifts, your family, your spouse, relationships, creation, and so on. There's a space down the bottom of that page for you to make a list of other things that you're stewards of. Everyone in this room will have different additional things. And so my challenge, my question this morning is, are you being empowered by the Holy Spirit? Are you listening to him? Are you going, God, I can't work this out. God, you've given me this gift. Can you show me how you want me to steward it? And as you read scripture and as you pray and as you spend time with him, he'll reveal that. But then the second part is, are you actioning? Are you working? See, uh, your next note is stewardship requires communion and action. Stewardship requires communion and action. We have to do something. Remember the parable of the talents, Matthew 25? The third one, he comes back and is probably like, it's interesting. The Bible doesn't talk about what would have happened if someone lost. Well, like, look, I tried to invest it and it didn't go so well. The problem that the master has in the parable of the talents was he comes back and the first two have done something. The third one says, I buried it in the ground. I kept it safe. I didn't do anything. And now you can have it back. And it says the master's like, 
I didn't give it to you to put it in the ground. I gave it to you to action. So where are the areas that you're praying and you're asking for God's empowerment and clarity? But where are the places that perhaps you're praying and then sitting back and not engaging with? You know, it's easy to pray for our kids and go, God, you're going to have to do something. But it's as we action, as we step into that action, that the Holy Spirit inhabits our stewardship. Is this helping some people this morning? Have I filled in all the blanks now? No one's missing any? Oh, right, last one. Okay, good, good, good. Uh, We'll come to that. This is really, I didn't give Ollie these scriptures this morning, but I'm going to go there. We've got a little bit of time left. I saw this in a sermon this week, and it wasn't the point that the preacher was making, but it kind of stuck out to me. You know, like sometimes you see something that's probably not even what I'm talking about. You're like, is he going to talk about that? Because as in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6, this is really weird dynamic. You know, like as you read scripture, and it's one of the things that I've devoted my life to because I don't believe it's an accident, I believe it's deliberate. There are these paradoxes in the Bible. Atheists want to call them contradictions. But I've learned that actually they're not contradictions. They're there for a reason. They're there to hold attention uh, because it's, it's, it's the tension in a sail that causes the ship to catch the wind. And sometimes it's something that's said all the way over there, and sometimes it's something that's said all the way down here. And you kind of go, oh, these two things, if you read long enough, you kind of pick up on them. This one weirds me out because it's in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 6. And you're like, Jesus, that's confusing. Matthew chapter 5, let me find it and read it for you. I didn't put these up here, so um, here you go. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus is teaching about the salt of the earth and the light of the world. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make salt salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. This is the bit that's weird. Watch this. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Father in heaven. Hold that thought. Because in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus still in the same sermon, by the way. (sighs) He talks about this, right? Uh, And he says, I've got to find it now, I didn't make the note. Here you go, Matthew chapter 6. I'm just going to read from verse 1 until we get there. Watch out. Do not do your good deeds publicly. (laughs) Jesus, I have a question. Jesus. Matthew chapter 5. A light on a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Do your good deeds so that all people will see your light. Matthew chapter 6. You have to remember, these separations didn't exist, right? Jesus was just talking. And he goes, but don't do your good deeds in public to be seen by men. And you're like. Like, I'm not the only one that's confused by that, right? Like, I'm not the only one sitting here going, that's a bit weird, if we can be honest. But I don't believe that Jesus makes mistakes. 
I don't believe this is just some kind of mistranslation. I believe that the key, the tension between these two points is good stewardship. It's stewarding what you have. See, if we continue to read Matthew chapter 6, do not do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. He says, in fact, he goes on to say, if you like the Pharisees and like the hypocrites, if you do it to be seen by men, you'll get seen by men and you get your reward. That's it. You got what you asked for. Do not do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. Matthew chapter 5. In the same way, instead, we could add, if we were putting these the other way around, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, the final note in your thing is stewardship is always for someone else's glory. Stewardship is always for someone else's glory. If you're living your life and you're doing your good deeds as a Christian, that you might be seen, that people might go, wow, Shannon is an amazing person. He's generous. He's whatever. Then the Bible says you've received your reward. People can think you're generous and that's fine. But the Bible tells us if we do what we do so that people might go, wow, their God, their creator, their Jesus, that spirit is real and living and active. And I see that through the way that these people live and he gets glory. That's good stewardship because stewardship is always for someone else's glory. And the Holy Spirit empowers and inhabits good Stewardship and those who steward God's gifts for God's glory will share in God's rewards. So, what are you stewarding this morning? You know, I've made a list for you, but I've left some blank spaces there for you to think for yourself. What gifts, what talents, what relationships? What are you stewarding? And, how, and, and let me ask you this. Are you stewarding them well? Are you communing with God so that he empowers your stewardship? And are you acting in that place so that he inhabits your stewardship? What are you stewarding? How are you stewarding? And how could you steward those things better? See, Sue and I were chatting in the office as I was brainstorming this sermon this week. Poor woman. She has to listen to all the madness. You think it's mad now. You should hear it before it's structured. And she was saying, you know, there's almost like two applications to that because... Some of it's about doing completely new things, right? For some of you, it's about coming here going... There's something that I haven't done that I need to go and do today to be a good steward of what God's given me. For some of you, and this is what Sue was talking about, it's the same action with a different motive. right? Some of you might be going, I'm already generous. But I've been Matthew 6 generous, not Matthew 5 generous. I've not been stewarding that well. Or, or I'm a good employer because I want to be a good boss. And it's interesting, see, because the difference, you might go, well, it's just it's the same good deed, surely. And yet it's not, because the Holy Spirit inhabits Matthew 5 generosity. When our eyes are fixed on Him, 
That's why, again, Paul talks about whatever you do, do it as if you were doing it for the Lord. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3 says, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, Whatever you do, work heartily as if for the Lord and not for men. Because is it not really his job you're doing? What are you stewarding? Are you stewarding it well? How could you steward it better? Two stories to finish. One of them, you've, in fact, you've, probably, you've possibly heard them both before, but I think they summarize what we're talking about. Several years ago, I was at a conference and I had this moment where I had an, an encounter with Jesus, an encounter with the Holy Spirit that radically changed how I did ministry forever. And that encounter, the summary of it, where, I, again, I cried for about 24 hours straight through the night and just, it was ridiculous. Um, ugly cry, too, not just, like, weepy, like, oh, it was ugly. Um, but I had this encounter. And, but the summary of it was I said to God, I don't want to be a leader anymore. I just want to follow Jesus. And it went from being, I don't, because what was happening was I was struggling so hard with trying to be someone, trying to prove myself. You know, I was a young pastor starting out, so everything was about going, am I doing good enough? Am I whatever? And I reached this point where I said, God, I just want to follow you and steward what you have given me. And my ministry took on new life because it was no longer about me winning, me proving something, me getting what I wanted. It was about Jesus being glorified in my ministry. It was about Jesus being glorified in my family. It was about Jesus being glorified in my friend circles and that shift. Michael Jr., uh, I don't know if any of you have ever listened to him. He's a black comedian from the United States. Hilarious. Very, very funny observational comedian. Uh, but he tells a story in one of his more serious moments about how his comedy became a ministry. And he talks about being in a hospital uh, preaching, uh, or tell, no, not preaching, doing comedy. <laughs> Gosh, imagine that. Hey, sick kids, we're going to listen to a sermon today. Awful. Uh, in a children's hospital, and he's doing comedy. So he's there, and his, his job's to make these kids laugh, right? Oh, get some laughs out of these kids. And there's one kid, and they say, don't worry, he won't laugh. He's got a Spider-Man mask on. He doesn't engage with anybody. He never takes the mask off. No one's ever really seen his face outside of his bedroom. Uh, and he's doing his comedy, and he's telling some jokes and, and whatever else. And he looks down about halfway through because someone's pulling at his pants. And I guess maybe you just check that as much as anything for safety, right? Uh, and he says, he looks down, and here's this kid holding a Spider-Man mask in his hand. He goes, hi, I'm Ben. He said, he looked at him, he said, in that moment, something changed. And this was where he says comedy became a ministry for him. He said, because my job went from being to get laughter from people to give laughter to people. That's good stewardship. And this suddenly flows into every facet of your life. Are you running your business to get money from people? Or are you running your business to give something to people? When people come into church, do they get the sense that they're here because we want something from them? Or do they come because they get the sense that we want something for them? Is your relationship with God all about God wants something from you and he's lording it over you? Or is it that God has given you good gifts because he wants something for you? See, even Matthew 25, the parable of the talents, if we, have an, if we have a picture of a God who's lording over us, it's I've got to do something with this or else. But good stewardship says God has given me this so that I might. What are you stewarding? How are you stewarding it? How could you steward it better?
Because when we steward God's gifts for God's glory, we share God's rewards. Let me pray. Lord, you have given us so much. So often it's easy to look at what we don't have or what we have that doesn't seem to work. But Lord, you have given us so much. And when we give it back to you and we steward it for you, I thank you that your Holy Spirit not only empowers but inhabits our stewardship. Lord, I pray that you would remind each of us today of what it is that you have given us and that you would show us how to use it well. Like Peter said in our opening scripture, for the glory and benefit of others, for the glory of God. Forgive us for the times where we have been guilty of Matthew 6 good deeds and help us to be those who do Matthew 5 good deeds that people would give praise and glory to you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people. Thank you for their generous spirits in so many different ways with their lives, their time, their money, their energy. Thank you, Lord, that they're here because they want to be good stewards of what you've given them. I pray that you'd meet them in that and that they'd share in your rewards. Thank you, God, for world vision. Thank you for the children in those envelopes that we hit. Well, not literally in the envelopes. That would be strange. But thank you for the pictures in those envelopes, for the community in Tanzania that we have the privilege of partnering with this morning and into the future. May we see this for what it is, a gift from you. And may we steward it well. And as we go into this week, would we live for your glory, and your kingdom come. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right.